0: Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast, my name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about inflammatory bowel disease and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com or in the gastroenterology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Inflammatory bowel disease involves recurrent episodes of inflammation in the gastrointestinal tract. The two main types are ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. They're associated with periods of exacerbation and remission where the symptoms are worse and resolve over time. Inflammatory bowel disease is thought to be caused by a combination of factors related to genetics, environment and the gut microbiome. The typical patient presents in their 20s. Let's talk about the features. The general presenting features of inflammatory bowel disease are diarrhea, abdominal pain, rectal bleeding, fatigue and weight loss. There are features that can help you differentiate between ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Differentiating features of Crohn's can be remembered with the crow's nests mnemonic with nests being the mnemonic. N for no blood or mucus, referring to the fact that PR bleeding is less common in Crohn's than ulcerative colitis. E for entire gastrointestinal tract affected from the mouth to the anus. S for skip lesions on endoscopy. T for terminal ileum most affected. And transmural, meaning full thickness of the bowel wall, inflammation. And S for smoking, as a risk factor for Crohn's. And you don't want to set the nest on fire, which is how I remember that smoking relates to Crohn's disease. Crohn's is also associated with strictures and fistulas. Remember that a fistula is an abnormal connection between two epithelial surfaces. Differentiating features of ulcerative colitis can be remembered with the UC close-up mnemonic. UC being ulcerative colitis and close-up being the mnemonic. C is for continuous inflammation, meaning no skip lesions like you'd find in Crohn's disease. L for limited to the colon and rectum, O for only the superficial mucosa affected, S for smoking may be protective, meaning that ulcerative colitis is less common in smokers, E for excrete blood and mucus, U for use aminosalicylates as part of treatment, and P for primary sclerosing cholangitis, which is particularly associated with ulcerative colitis. A tom tip for you, it's common for exams to give you some features and ask you to determine whether the patient has Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. This might be a finding of skip lesions on an endoscopy, transmural inflammation, or mouth ulcers to suggest Crohn's rather than ulcerative colitis. Next let's talk about the associations. Many associated conditions can occur in patients with inflammatory bowel disease including erythema nodosum which is tender red nodules on the shins caused by inflammation of the subcutaneous fat, pyoderma gangrenosum which is a rapidly enlarging painful skin ulcer, entropathic arthritis which is a type of inflammatory arthritis primary sclerosing cholangitis which occurs particularly associated with ulcerative colitis and red eye conditions for example episcleritis, scleritis and anterior uveitis. Next let's talk about investigations. Blood tests include a full blood count for the hemoglobin which will be low in anemia and the platelet count which is raised with inflammation A C reactive protein or CRP to indicate inflammation. Urea and electrolytes or usanese to indicate electrolyte imbalances and kidney function. Liver function tests or LFTs, which can show a low albumin in severe disease as protein is lost in the bowel. Thyroid function tests for hyperthyroidism as a cause of diarrhea and anti-tissue transglutaminase antibodies or anti-TTG to look for celiac disease as a differential diagnosis for the symptoms. Stool microscopy and culture can be used to exclude infection as a differential diagnosis, for example salmonella infection. A fecal calprotectin is around 90% sensitive and specific for inflammatory bowel disease in adults and the faecal calprotectin is used as an initial test before moving on to an endoscopy. Colonoscopy with multiple intestinal biopsies is the investigation of choice for establishing the diagnosis. Imaging investigations, for example ultrasound, CT and MRI scans can be used to look for complications such as fistulas, abscesses and strictures. Let's move on to management. Management of inflammatory bowel disease can be separated into inducing remission during an acute exacerbation and maintaining remission. Systemically unwell patients will require a hospital admission. Patients should be under the care of a gastroenterologist with support from specialist nurses. Let's start with the management of ulcerative colitis. Mild to moderate acute exacerbations of ulcerative colitis are treated with aminosalicylates, for example, oral or rectal mesalazine, which is first line, or corticosteroids, for example, oral or rectal prednisolone as the second line treatment. Severe acute ulcerative colitis is treated with intravenous steroids. For example, IV hydrocortisone as first line. The other options for severe acute ulcerative colitis include intravenous cyclosporin, infliximab, or surgery. Options for maintaining remission in ulcerative colitis are aminosalicylates, for example, oral or rectal mesalazine first line, azathioprine, or purine. Ulcerative colitis typically only affects the large bowel and the rectum. Therefore, removing the entire large bowel and the rectum, which is called a panproctocolectomy, will remove the disease. After a panproctocolectomy, the patient will either have a permanent ileostomy or an ileoanal anastomosis, or J-pouch. An ileostomy is where the end portion of the small bowel, the ileum, is brought onto the skin with a spout that drains stools directly into a tight-fitting stoma bag. A J-pouch is where the ileum or small bowel is folded back on itself and fashioned into a larger pouch which is attached to the anus and functions like a rectum, collecting stools before the person opens their bowels. Finally let's talk about the management of Crohn's disease. Inducing remission in an exacerbation of Crohn's disease is with steroids for example oral prednisolone or IV hydrocortisone first line or an alternative is enteral nutrition particularly where there are concerns about steroids affecting growth in children. Enteral nutrition involves a specially formulated liquid diet that's given orally or by an NG feed that replaces the patient's diet. This special liquid diet induces remission by treating nutritional deficiencies, improving the gut microbiome and removing inflammatory foods from the diet. Where the steroids on their own are not adequate at inducing a remission, adding other medications may be considered, such as azathioprine, mecaptopurine, methotrexate, infliximab and adalimumab. Maintaining remission in Crohn's disease is tailored to the individual based on their risks, side effects, nature of the disease and the patient wishes. This might involve no medications at all. First line for maintaining remission in Crohn's disease is either with azathioprine or mecaptopurine. Methotrexate is an alternative for maintaining remission where the first line options are unsuitable. Surgical options for Crohn's disease include resecting the terminal ileum when the disease is isolated to this area, surgical treatment of strictures, and surgical treatment of Fistulas. So, thanks for listening to this episode on inflammatory bowel disease. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like these podcast episodes, consider becoming a member of the Zero to Finals Patreon, where you get early access to the podcast episodes, as well as early access to the videos and access to the members area, which includes the digital flashcards short answer questions, multiple choice questions and extended matching questions and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about irritable bowel syndrome.